Uh, I, I have a CD to sell you. Um, Brain, not a certificate of deposit, although if you'd like to give me money, I would give you certificates. Uh, but it's a, uh, a musical CD, I don't know if you remember those. Uh, they, they have, you put them in your CD player, and they play music, and Brayden will sing to you on the CD. You want Brayden Bowman singing. It's the Good News Singers, uh, I'll put an album every year. If you want one of those, um, come talk to me. Uh, it's ten dollars plus handling, and then we'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll get you, I'll get that for you. Uh, I, so yes, uh, those are always really good, um, and a lot of the songs they probably sang for us while they were here, correct, or on that, okay? Um, I have some very good news for you, and... It's, it's news about you, but if you didn't know it about you, it's one of those things that will free you more than you even realize. And it's news that I realized about me long, long ago, and it's really been wonderful to know. You are a failure. Yes, you are. You have made mistakes after mistake, and you are loved and valued anyway. By this, by this church, by your family, by Jesus, by God, you are a failure. You have messed up. Perfectionism is the disease of our culture. We tend to think, I remember when Claire came home, it was like, probably a good month or two into her being in public school. Whenever she was at homeschool, we, we didn't really like check every, we just like taught her things and then said, get outside, you know. But whenever she came home with a test and said, I missed one. I mean, she had, had hundreds for like a month, 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 and then I missed one. Okay. No big deal. I got a B. Oh no. We're going to have to send you away. Right? I mean, we, we over obsess about being perfect. And the reason we over obsess about being perfect is because whenever we are imperfect, it does not match the image that we are projecting to the world. You ever got on Facebook? Period? Question mark? Yeah? If you have, if you've ever been on one of those Facebooks, you see that the um, that like some people will constantly be talking about how much they don't like drama. You sure do talk about it a lot. It's odd, right? This is simple, but like usually the thing, we, we project an image to people. We would like to tell you. I would like to tell you that I'm happy. I would like to tell you that I've got it all together. I'd like to tell you that I'm perfect. You are not perfect. You are not. You are a failure. You have failed at the things you are hoping to do, the person you are hoping to be, and the most 
beautiful type of love is the kind of love that comes out of two people fully seeing each other. Being able to look at their, their failures and their brokenness and say, I love you anyway. Not, I'll love you when you. But I love you where you are. There's this guy in Philippians. Actually, he's usually a guy in Philippi, but he just happens to be with Paul. And we're going to read what Paul says about two different people. It's really just a travel plan, it seems. Like, here's, what I, here's what's going to happen, and here's who's going to come, and who's going to come after that. It's really a travel plan. But it's, if it were just a travel plan, it would be given in the wrong order. Alright? Let's read it. Let's do this again. Alright, this isn't working, Judy. Alright. You're going to do the hard work of the sermon, and I'll just do the easy work. I hope the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. That I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So I'm going to send Timothy literally to check on you. And I hope I hope it's good news and I'll be happy when it is. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Remember Paul's in prison. He said, I'm going to send Timothy, essentially, to you whenever I know whether I'm going to get out of prison or not. And uh, Back one slide, sorry. But I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Okay, travel plans. I'm going to send Timothy to you as soon as I know whether or not I'm going to be released from prison. Whenever I'm released from prison, I'm going to come to you then. Right click. That's a fun little drop down menu. Let's see if I can make an illustration out of it. You know, sometimes... But I think it is necessary. But I think it is necessary to send back to you a Paphroditus. Paphroditus? Right, you've never heard of this guy. My brother and co-worker and fellow soldier who is listen, he is the one that they sent to him. And he says, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he, um, he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. So I'm sending him back to you. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me from sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and may have less Anxiety, And then he sums it up like this. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help 
You yourselves could not give me. Alright, we're going to keep it on this scripture for just a second. Alright, if it were a travel plan, if I were to tell you this is, this is how everyone's going to be traveling, I would tell you, Epaphroditus is going first. He's going to come down. Then whenever I get done here, I'm going to send Timothy, and then soon after that I'm going to come. You give travel plans in the order of the travels. Right? But what he does here is he says, I'm going to send you Timothy, and then I'm going to come, but first, I'm going to send you Epaphroditus. Here's what most scholars think happened. Most recent scholars think it's happened. I'll even clarify that. In case you go do your own homework and say, Benjamin, not most, most recent scholars think Epaphroditus was sent to Paul by the Philippian church as an aid to him. They sat down, they had a, they, they prayed over Epaphroditus, and they said, Epaphroditus, you are going to go, and you are going to be with Paul, and you are going to learn with Paul. Maybe Epaphroditus was younger, it doesn't seem like he was married, he was a younger guy, he was trained with Paul. And, and Epaphroditus was going to learn to do what Paul does. Epaphroditus goes up there and just gets sick. Not only is he not a help to Paul, he's actually a hindrance to Paul. Paul now has to take care of this guy, they say. He gets sick, he almost dies. And now, Paul is sending him back. <coughs> Epaphroditus, most New Testament scholars nowadays believe that Epaphroditus failed in the mission that the Philippian church sent him on. He wasn't supposed to come back. He wasn't supposed to be a hindrance. He wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be a hindrance on Paul. He wasn't, Paul wasn't. He, we sent you up there to get sick and come home. That's not what Epaphroditus was hoping for. Paul saves Epaphroditus for last because he wants to add this little bit on the end. So then, welcome him. In the Lord with great joy. The big question here is why would you have to tell them that? Is there a chance they wouldn't? Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for help. You yourselves couldn't give. Okay, here's a neat little language thing. If this isn't interesting to you, then just forget it. But here's a neat little language thing. Um, a lot of times in, uh, in in the Bible, whenever you see you yourself, um, it is an emphatic you. What that means is uh, all the little words um, have their own built-in little I or he or she or you. Okay, so like if some of you speak Spanish. So you know that in Spanish, if you wanted to say, uh, I am the man, you would say, soy el hombre. So, but, if, so, so you're saying, I am the man. Or, now, if you wanted to say, I am the man, like you just did something fantastic, you can say, yo soy, like not anyone, specifically me, yo soy. So yo soy essentially means I, I am 
the man. But it's an emphatic I. It's doubling it up. Spent long enough, I belong. Just throw something at you. <laughs> so, so, so here, he's saying, this is, you can read it in the tone like this. He risked his life to make up for the help you couldn't give him. So if you're frustrated that Epaphroditus didn't fill out, didn't succeed in his mission, didn't see it through to the end because he, you know, he got sick. Well, don't get upset with him. Honor people like him because he gave me help while you sat at home on your couches or whatever you have in Philippi. He gave me the help that you couldn't give. So anytime you typically see like you yourself or I myself, um, you can translate it like this. You can give it some emphasis and cut the myself or the you self off. It's hard to do when you're reading it in your head. You have to like regret it. You have to show that you're doing it. But he, Epaphroditus did a thing. He might not have done what you thought he was going to do. He might have failed in what you thought he should be doing. But God can use a pe people like Epaphroditus. God can use failures. Listen, your failures, your failures don't, they don't trip up the kingdom of God. They don't trouble the kingdom of God. They don't stop the kingdom of God. Actually, I would argue that, your, that God, the kingdom of God can actually use your failures to advance. God's been doing that throughout Scripture. Find me, other than Jesus, the perfect character God used in the Bible. Uneducated biblical scholars will say, uh, well, David. Well, <laughs> you haven't read David. God used Jonah, who's one of my favorite characters. Bible. God used Jonah to convert the whole city of Nineveh with a two-second sermon. Like, seriously, two sentences he gave these people whole time. Jonah was a rascal at the beginning of the story. He's a rascal at the end. He never Never sees it clear. And God uses it. God uses failures. Not just your the failures that you possess, but just the failure that you are. God uses that. Not just as a jumping off point to, to succeed in the kingdom of God. God can use brokenness. God can use Pain. God can use suffering. God can use failing to overcome what God wants to overcome. God is God can handle you not being perfect. A couple of problems that we run into, and I think it's problems in most of our relationships, is that we either assume that the other person should be perfect, or even worse, we assume that we are. Crazy. 
Sometimes we get shocked that the other person, uh, we will get shocked if the other person messes up, or we'll get shocked if the other person thinks I messed up. Your spouse should not have to play along with a facade. Because if you love your spouse or seek to be loved by your spouse, your, your goal is not to impress them, but to be with them. Be present and be seen by them. Failures and blemishes and brokenness and all. The fact that you are broken, that, that first fact, like realizing that for the first time, that, that's a moment of clarity that will allow you to actually be used by God. God never will use a perfect Christian. Now, if you disagree with that, I would... I would like to say, um, show me a perfect Christian. Okay, point to one. We don't have any in here. But, like, pick one. No, you ain't got one? My grandpappy sure was a good guy. He wasn't perfect. He was a failure. We're all failures. And that's the point. We need a king to follow. If we had it all together, we wouldn't need a king to follow. If we had it all together, we wouldn't need a Savior to save us. If we had it all together, we wouldn't need a Redeemer to redeem us. We wouldn't need what Jesus offers if we could earn what Jesus offers. We wouldn't need the grace of God if we could earn the grace, earn the givings, of the, the, the blessing of God. It's not grace, it's earned. The best place to be as a Christian is to, to exist knowing I'm broken, I fail, I make mistakes. And not only is God going to love me and use me even though I'm broken, even though I fail, even though I make mistakes, but my church family is going to love me and keep me close and not leave me when I'm broken and when I fail the hardest, when I fail the most. You are a failure loved by the God who created you enough that he sent his own son to redeem you and give you a king to follow. That's, that's who you are. Coming to that Understanding will change, change your life. I remember, I remember the day I became a better, not a good, but a better basketball player. It wasn't, um, I wasn't good in high school. I wasn't, uh, not even close to good. I was scared. Um, I told y'all the story about the time I, I caught the ball at the top of the key went up for a shot, saw someone cutting along the baseline, and thought, oh, Daryl! And so did neither of the things. The ball hit the corner of the bottom of the backboard. Just boom! Looked like I just threw it at the backboard. That's all it looked like. 
But I thought, I should shoot it. I should pass it. Nothing happened. One time in junior high, my coach, and this wasn't Coach Props, uh, my coach said, I don't know, Coach Props might have been there, though, told I had airballed four shots in the first half. The coach was up there, and he was saying, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to do it in Neely. If you even shot fake again, I will break your arm. <laughs> I wasn't good. I was scared. I was scared of missing. I was scared of, I, I, I had this tentativeness in me. And then when I was in college, I was playing with some guys, and then I really, it hit me. What are they going to do if I miss? Nothing. If I miss, no big deal. No one's going to shoot me. No one's going to beat me. Someone might like scowl at me, but oh no, a scowl. Like at the end, nothing happens when you miss. But it's real fun when you make it. I want to shoot more. You know, whenever you're thinking, I'm going to shoot more, you, you're, you're assuming, I'm going to fail more. I'm going to fail on a regular basis. But at least, at least, I am attempting things. <clears throat> a lot of times, our projection of perfection keeps us from living out the life that Jesus actually calls to. Because if you are to actually follow Jesus, if you are actually to do the hard work of loving other people like God has loved us, you are going to fail at it. And you might fail big at it. And then you're going to get back up and you're going to try again. Because what you find when you fail while you're following Jesus is not a card of condemnation, but a gift of grace to get up and try again. <coughs> Francis Chan says that Christians should not be afraid of failure so much as we should be afraid of succeeding. And all the junk that doesn't matter. <coughs> we are faithful. Praise God. We don't have it all together. We don't have it all right. <coughs> we, shocking, we don't understand the Bible as well as we should. We're wrong about something in doctrine, I'm sure. I'm, another way of saying that is I'm sure in the next 30 years we're going to learn something. But God loves. God loves. Jesus came to save us. And the Spirit is working in us. And that's, that's a lie. It's free of fear. I'm not afraid to mess up. Keep attempting. Keep faith. Keep finding forgiveness. Because it's those who are willing to attempt the impossible that actually change the world. You are called to take risks as you follow Jesus. With those risks, come some failure. 
those failures, you will feel some shame. And I want you to know that shame is not from God. Conviction is from God. Sitting and wallowing in your shame. Not God. God does. So what it offers us a hand, a scarred hand, to help us up and lead us along. If you have come to the realization of your own faith, and it's disturbing and troubling as you walk your church to A, help you fail some more, or B, pray with you that you don't stay in this mindset of projected perfection, which is sinful and deserves repentance. If you want to repent from that, or if you want to, for the first time, follow this Jesus who asks us to take risks, asks us to do things where we might fail, but stays with us even though we fail. If you want to unite with that Jesus into his death, burial, and resurrection, even that sentence there, right? Death, burial, resurrection. Everyone thought Jesus was the Messiah. And when he died on the cross, everyone thought he had failed his No one, when Jesus died on the cross, said, Well, he'll come back in three days. No one said that. Even though Jesus had told them, I will come back in three days. They were all blown away when the perceived failure was used by God change and save and redeem the world. That's the sort of God you should follow. That's the sort of king you should serve. If you want to serve that king, follow that God. Please before <laughs> love